Consistency. You can determine what a person actually believes by how they conduct themselves in their acts, actions, and their words, regardless of the circumstances, whether it's good times or bad. John, who we call the Baptist, is going to be consistent in his testimony and his ministry, regardless of the circumstances. And we'll see that in his ministry, and we hope to reflect it in all. If you have your Bibles, please turn to the Gospel of John, chapter 3, and we'll start with verse 22. And verse 22 says this, After these things, Jesus and his disciples came into the land of Judea, and there he was spending time with them and baptizing. Now the context is that Jesus had just been in Jerusalem during the Passover feast and had conducted himself and did various things in teaching, and he spoke to uh, Nicodemus. And then after that, John then starts talking about what Jesus does. And instead of going back to Galilee, apparently he goes south to Judea. And he's spending time probably teaching his disciples. And he's baptizing uh, new converts. And so uh, that's the context. And so then the next verse says, John also was baptizing in Ainon near Selim because there was much water there. And the people were coming and were being baptized. And so we have, if you will, two groups of, of disciples, John's disciples and Jesus' disciples here in a very small area because there's a lot of water and they're baptizing. John is continuing to baptize under his ministry. And it appears in this verse that Jesus is baptizing, but we'll see later that Jesus himself doesn't baptize. He delegates that to his disciples. But the disciples and John are in close proximity of baptizing um, those who are coming. And it says, for John had not yet been thrown into prison. And so this makes sure that we know that this is still kind of early in, in Jesus's ministry and somewhat later, but not the final phase of John's ministry. And it says, therefore, there arose a discussion on the part of John's disciples with a Jew about purification. Now, I'm sure what the, the situation is, is that the Jews are initially saying, well, why are you baptizing at all? Because we're Jews, we're the chosen people. Uh, we don't need to be clean. And John's saying, yes, you need to be baptized because you need to repent of your sins. And it doesn't matter whether you are, quote unquote, God's chosen people or not. Uh, we all need to repent and then show actions of that repentance by being baptized. And Jesus' disciples are baptizing uh, in a different fashion uh, so that there is this discussion. Well, Jesus seems to be baptizing, uh, which we will later see in Jesus' ministry, that he baptized you know, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And John was baptizing for the repentance. And so there's this discussion. Why do we need purification? What's the difference between what John is doing and what Jesus' disciples are doing. It says, And they came to John and said to him, Rabbi, he who was with you beyond the Jordan, to whom you have testified, behold, he is baptizing, and all are coming to him. Now, I appreciate John's disciples because they're loyal to John. And they're saying, John, you know, we've been a part of your ministry, and, and we believe in what you're doing, 
and we believe in your ministry, but the popular opinion now seems to be that people are coming to Jesus and his disciples to be baptized, and we're not having the same impact as we were before. And so they're concerned for John's ministry because it's not blossoming like it was, and Jesus' ministry seems to be growing. And John answered and said, A man can receive nothing unless it has been given him from heaven. So John gives some very important advice to his disciples. Success in ministry, and quite frankly, success in anything, is because God is gracious in giving that success. And so John is acknowledging that whatever success I had was because of God. And whatever success Jesus and his ministry is going to be because of God, and nothing can be done unless heaven grants it. So John understands exactly who he is in the economy of faith. And he says, You yourselves are my witnesses that I said I am not the Christ, but I have been sent ahead of him. So John is saying, I never laid claim to being the Messiah, and I told you that, and I wasn't shy about it. And then when Jesus, the one you said who was beyond, beyond the Jordan, I said, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. I testified about that, and I've been consistent. It doesn't matter whether my ministry is going extremely well or starting to seem to wane because, one, it is God who gives the blessings, but also I've never claimed to be the Messiah. But instead, my ministry, my purpose was to make straight the path so that the Messiah might come and have his ministry a little more easily performed. It says, but he who has the bride is the bridegroom, but the friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears him rejoices greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. And so this joy of mine has been made full. Boy, I wish that John's attitude was more like other Christians and, and pastors. He's happy that Jesus' ministry is taking off and is going to fruition because he understands Jesus is the bridegroom. He's the one who's going to create the bride, the church, and it is him who's going to understand that and expand the church. And so John says, I'm not the bridegroom. I'm an attendant. I'm a friend of the bridegroom. And I'm happy that he's getting married. I'm happy that things are going well. And so I rejoice. He's not like one who says, well, boy, that church over there is growing, but my church isn't, and there's this jealousy. John is saying, heaven determines success, and I will be happy in the success of the Messiah, regardless of my circumstance, because I know my ministry is to be the forerunner of the Christ not to be the Christ. And so he's saying, I'm not the one to be paying attention to. You should pay attention to the Messiah. And so in churches, if you're more in love with the pastor than you are in Jesus, then there's a problem. The pastor should be pointing you to rejoicing and loving the Lord and not so much about how wonderful he is. And so John is saying, I'm happy. It doesn't matter that my ministry 
is on the wane. What matters is that Jesus as the Messiah is here. And then he says, he must increase. He doesn't think he might increase or he shouldn't. No, he must. That is the heaven declaration that Jesus' ministry will ultimately succeed. But I must decrease. I'm saying it's not important for me to be important. It's not important that more people come and are baptized under my ministry than are baptized under Jesus' disciples' ministry. That's not where I am involved in. I understand my ministry was to acknowledge who the Messiah was by telling about the Lamb of God. And it's my job to set the road for him. But as he does that, then my, the necessity of my ministry is reduced and reduced and reduced. So again, sometimes we get an overinflated idea of the, our importance. John understands exactly what his call to ministry was, and he performed it without doubt, without depression, without saying, gee whiz, I wish. It's, I know what my ministry is, and I'm going to do it to the best of my ability, and praise the Lord that the Messiah is here, and he is increasing. And then he further says, he who comes from above is above all, and he who is of the earth is from the earth and speaks of the earth. He who comes from heaven is above all. So again, John is making clear to his disciples, the role is that Jesus is above it all. He's from heaven. He is above it all. And I'm below because I'm from the earth. I speak of earthly things. I understand the earth. Jesus comes from heaven, understands heavenly things. And as a result, because of where he come from and because he is the son of God who takes away the sins of the world, he is above it all. He says, and what he has seen and heard of that he testified. He says, he says Jesus is going to tell you exactly what heaven is like, what the kingdom of God is like, and what the ministry is, because he is speaking from God and sent by God, and his testimony is to be received, because he knows what he's talking about, because he's been there. The scriptures tell us what heaven's going to be like, but until we actually go there, it's just a concept. But Jesus knows exactly about the angels and the temple and the beauty of the throne and of the Lord. He's seen it. He's witnessed it. And he's come to earth to just testify about it. And he who has received his testimony has set his seal to this, that God is true. John has said, not everybody is accepting Jesus' testimony. There are a lot of people who deny that Jesus is the Son of God. But the ones who do receive that testimony set their seal that God is true, that God's promises that he made through the prophets and through Moses and all the others that are contained in what we call the Old Testament, that God's promises about the Messiah when he would come, what he would do, and how we would succeed is true. And when we respond in faith to that, 
we in essence confirm that what God has said is true. Now, one of the current conversations you'll hear a lot today, and you'll even hear it in Christian music, my truth, and his truth, and your truth. There is only truth, and God is truth. Not my truth. Not, it's not true because I say that Jesus is the Son of God. It is true because he is the Son of God. I simply set my seal that I confirm that I believe exactly what God has said and what God has done. So I am willing to set my seal to say that it is so, just like God has placed his Holy Spirit in our lives as a pledge, as a seal to confirm that we are children of God. For he whom God has sent speaks the word of God, for he gives the Spirit without measure. So it says, when Jesus speaks, it's God speaking. Jesus isn't saying, this is what I think God might say, or this is what I think God might do. When Jesus says this, it is from the mouth of God, because Jesus is the Son of God, a part of the triune God. And so it is not, well, I have this idea what God might be like. You'll hear lots of people think, well, my God is this, and my God is that, and whatever. You have no clue about God because you've never seen him or experienced him. Jesus is God. And so when he gives his words, they are not just approved by God. They are God speaking. Many years ago, there was a commercial about a, uh, a uh, stockbroker who people were sitting at a table at a restaurant and they were giving their opinion about what their stockbroker had said. And then one person says, well, my stockbroker is, and then they give the name of the commercial. And everybody stops to listen because they think what this brokerage firm has to say is important. Far more important than what that stockbroker had to say. What Jesus has to say. Because his words are the words of God. And that God has given him the spirit. With, there is no limitation. There's not like, well, all of, all of God's spirit is within what a five foot four or five foot six man can contain. No, no. There is no measure of the Holy Spirit that is contained in the person of Jesus. His spirit without measure. There is no limitation. God has sent his son to speak for him and to speak as him. And he's done so with no limitations. It says, the father loves the son and has given all things into his hand. Interesting. He loved to quote the scriptures. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him might not perish but have everlasting life. But the word of God also says that the father loves the son. The Father loves the Son and has given all things into his hands. In essence, he says, Jesus, I give you and give you the opportunity to determine anything that needs to be done because it's all things are given to you. Not some things, but not 
but all things. And he who believes in the Son has eternal life. So John continues in this consistency in his testimony. He says, Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus is the bridegroom. Jesus is the one who will establish his church. Jesus is the one who is the Lamb of God. Jesus is the one who is the Son of the living God. Jesus is the one who has all of God in him and, and speaks on behalf of God and has the Holy Spirit upon him without measure. He is God, and because of that, whoever believes in him has eternal life. This is the very same thing that John started out in his testimony uh, to his disciples and to others and to uh, the world. And he consistent, even though his ministry is waning, even though his, his disciples are concerned about his place in the ministry, and it seems that people are going after Jesus and not so much in his ministry, he goes, the important thing is the people who believe in the Son have eternal life. You can like John the Baptist, or as I call him, John the Testifier. You can think he was a great man. And Jesus even says, of all men born of a woman, there was no one greater than John. Then he adds, whoever is in the kingdom of heaven is greater than him. So John is given great praise by Jesus. Even though John understands exactly what his ministry is, and we should also understand what our ministry is, is to glorify and praise and point people to the Son of God so that they might experience and have eternal life. But he who does not obey the Son will not see life. Even worse than that, but the wrath of God abides on him. It's not a matter of, well, you have eternal life or you don't. You have eternal life or you don't, and the wrath of God lives on you. You see, most people think, well, I can be Switzerland. I can be neutral. You Christians can believe what you want, and you atheists can believe what you want, and I'm kind of neutral. I, you know, whatever goes, goes. And the sad thing is there are a lot of parents that you'll hear, and they'll say, well, you know, it's I'm going to let my children decide what they believe. So when they grow up, they can decide. You think your children's education is important for life here on earth. How much more important is it to understand exactly who the Son of God is? Because in Him is eternal life. We should not be negligent in waiting for our children to determine how they believe, but we should be encouraging them and teaching them and explain to them who Jesus is and what the Father wants and who we are. Our ministry as parents is to make sure that our children are raised in the love and admonition of the Lord. There's no neutrality. In essence, you're either for him or you're against him. You're not neutral. And the consequences are eternal life, or in essence, eternal damnation. It is not me saying this, it is the scripture. And so John understands, and John is consistent 
when things are going well and people are coming to him to get baptized, and even the Pharisees and others are debating with him, and he seems to be a very important person, and even Jesus himself comes to be baptized by John, and John says, no, 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 it's reversed. I should be baptized by you. Even in that great success, John in that time spoke the truth and testified about the Son of God. And then as his ministry is waning, and as his ministry is being decreasing in its power and its purpose, he's consistent in that testimony of the Christ. So I encourage you, be consistent in your faith. When great times are happening, good times are happening, it is great and we can praise God. But when difficult times happen, circumstances seem to be against us. Are we consistent in glorifying and praising God? Not about the circumstances, about who He is. And it's to understand who we are and who He is. All too many people want to be God rather than allowing God to be God and praising him and loving him and serving him. And that is exactly what John did. He praised him. He testified about him. He was consistent and he made sure his disciples understood who Jesus was. And likewise, we need as part of our ministry to explain exactly who Jesus is because he is holy forever. And all God's people said.